You are listening to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MSP Ignite. MSP Ignite offers a peer group experience that is unique to managed service providers in the technology industry. If you are serious about implementing a model for success through sharing and collaboration of best practices, this is the best way to do it. Head on over to msp-ignite.com to get more information. All right, on to the show. Welcome everybody to this week of MSP 1337. I'm joined this week again by Charles Love of Showtech Solutions. Welcome, Charles. Hey, thanks for having me again. Uh, again and again. Yeah. So, hey, this week, uh, this is a topic 365. I have been, you and I have both lived through sort of someone else's nightmare recently. Um, and nightmares are probably a strong word, but the unknown of dealing with 365 when you have to move it. So it got me thinking about 365. It got me thinking about all of the different things that are out there that are being sold as 365, what the different license types are, how that impacts me as an MSP. And quite honestly, the number of times that you and I probably have both run into an environment where it was self-created or we'll, for lack of a better word, self-inflicted 365 woes because they, they spun up the environment themselves having no prior experience and just assumed that Microsoft is their new best friend and look how easy this was, turned it on and roffed the races. So Charles, I'll, I'll let you just kind of start us out here because you've got the most experience between the two of us for sure. What's like the number one thing you see when it comes to a 365 environment, either that's needing to be set up and unrealistic expectations, or it's an environment that's been set up. And again, I go back to probably the unrealistic expectations. For sure. And, and 365 is one of those mysterious things that, that a lot of people have no idea about. Um, I do probably on average, 12 to 15 migrations a month myself. Wow. Um, and a lot of, they're not all email migrations. A lot of them are just like moving schools and stuff to the 365 platform. Sure. And in so many cases, I would say more than half, people have no idea. Somebody tried setting up 365, gave up, and now their domain is trapped somewhere on some tenant that nobody knows how to get into. Which, uh, right. let, let's talk about that for a minute, like the domain, because I think this is a, a key piece that a lot of our clients miss is that, you know, we registered a domain and we pointed, we followed the directions, we pointed our records, but did they really set it up and where did they register that domain with is I think really important. For sure. There, there's a couple of, there's a couple of things that, that people get really confused on, right? Um, first, when you set up a tenant, you get what's called an on Microsoft domain, sure. right? And in all honesty, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what your on Microsoft is. Um, I use a website called, uh, it's goofy, but it's 0365 rocks. And okay. what that does is it lets me, like if I'm setting up a new tenant, I can put in, you know, MSP Ignite. And it'll tell me if mspignite.onmicrosoft.com is taken. This way oh, I can. that's cool. And then I it's can, not registering the domain. 
Correct. So this is specifically for the backend. But the problem you run into with picking it on Microsoft domain is like a law firm, right? Yeah. A lot of times, <laughs> yeah, it, it's the biggest issue because today it's, you know, Joe, uh, Charles and Chris Law. And then, well, what happens if we hire Josh? And now it's Charles, Chris, and Josh Law. But when I set up the tenant, it's Charles and Chris dot on Microsoft, right? And Josh is like, wait a minute, what about me? Uh, there, there is no way to change your on Microsoft name. Okay. But it doesn't really matter. But it does to some people. The only time you will ever see the on Microsoft name is if you're using a Teams meeting, if you're using a link to uh, OneDrive or a SharePoint link, and you happen to look at the nerd data, right? You happen to look at the URL. Um, hey, you spelled my name wrong. <laughs> you know, and that's another one. Uh, a couple of times a year, I'm doing a tenant migration because the person who set it up typoed the name, right? And they're stuck sure. with it. So every time they invite a customer to a Teams meeting, oh, man. like like half the time, you know, your name is spelled wrong in the link, right? Like it's just, it's embarrassing. And you just, you have to be careful. Um, sure. On the flip side, if you go to somebody like a GoDaddy where they have Office 365, which is a, a let's call it a stripped down. It's not quite 365, but it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. Yeah. Well, they provision you a name that you don't get to pick. So when you go to GoDaddy, it's like netorg 592783625.onmicrosoft.com, on Microsoft.com, which is fine. Wait, that's but, my PIN number. Yeah. But the branding in me is like, oh my God, like, how do they know it's me? It has nothing to do with me. So, so on the, on Microsoft is very important um, to a point, right? You, you want it small enough and unique enough so that it kind of tells you what tenant it belongs to. Sure. So for example, uh, Showtech Solutions. I would not want to have showtechsolutions.onmicrosoft.com. Maybe I can do showtech.onmicrosoft or showtech1 or showtech813, something like that. Right. Um, but even the 813, what if we move and we go to 727? Now we're stuck with 813. So you have to you have to be very careful how you pick it. You almost want it to be like a uh, a nickname, you know, something that's easy to remember and is associated with you would not be confusing to somebody. I mean, there's a lot of, Correct. you have to have a lot of thought going into this, really. So for five years, Microsoft has said, we're, we're going to allow you to change it. We're going to allow you to change it. And it just hasn't materialized. However, in the last six months, they came out with the the ability to rename your primary SharePoint site. And, okay. and that has a lot to do with it because once they rename the tenant, like all heck breaks loose because everything is tied to that unique identifier. Okay. Um, so eventually we'll be able to change it, but as of today in 2021, we cannot. Hmm. Um, so that's one. So first you have the on Microsoft, right. then you have a domain to validate. Now, uh, and this is where I do a lot of takeovers, meaning I break into somebody's 365 account with a very specific set of instructions. And then I am now an admin of sure. something where the IT person who set it up five years ago is long gone, but I'm able to get in. 
So you can validate your domain without affecting email, right? So, so that, that's number two. So getting the domain, you can, you can have your domain parked and as many 365 accounts, it doesn't matter. You just can't have it validated to more than one. The, the oh, the tenant. Correct. The, 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 the actual uh, domain that you're going to use, right? Can like I, Oh, sure. So you can verify it, but you can't, wait, did I say that? You wrong? can add it. You can add it to five different tenants, Got it. but you can't uh, validate it. You can only have it validated to one at a time. Which gets so, into what you're pointing it to with your records, right? Correct. So in the case of a mail migration, right? So let's say you're going from one tenant to another tenant. You can have it in both tenants, but it's not going to work unless it's validated. So there's a process even to remove the domain. So recently, uh, I had to remove the domain, which is like one of the most scariest things in the whole wide world. Right, because what's going to happen uh, next and how long is it going to take? How long is it going to take? Normally, uh, it's about an hour. But in DNS land, it could take up to 72 hours, right? I had a situation where it got stuck and three hours into it, the domain is still not gone, right? Huh. So sometimes you have a dirty system. And in this case, I literally had to go down like a hundred users one at a time and start stripping email addresses until we found the person who was causing the issue. And of course it was like, Q. R. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't A. It wasn't B. It was like way down the list. Flip, flip the coin. Which direction do you start with? Correct. It's like the old adage. It's you have to know where to hit the hammer, right? So you have to know how to do that stuff. <laughs> so basically, once you once you can you remove it from one domain, you can add it yeah. to the other and you can validate it. Now, when you validate it, it's just for office logins. Unless you check the box saying, I want this to be an MX. It ain't right. gonna send mail. Oh sure, but that hangs up so many people. They get step one done, and then then they think it just is all magic. Yeah, or somebody gets hung up on the on Microsoft and says, "Well, our company is Smithco. Somebody already has Smithco done on Microsoft. Who cares?" Right. Right. Can can you do Smithco one? Yeah. All right, then do it. Nobody cares. Right. Um. It, it so again on Microsoft name doesn't matter. It's good but it really doesn't matter. It's, impo it's important in the outcome, but not so much important for the users. Correct. Very, and, very and, back end. And schools are notorious for having 365 tenants that they don't know about. Oh, um, for sure, because that's how they get their hands on free, th free, free office. Suits. Yeah. As long, as long as you have an email account and somebody has done something in the last 10 years there's a tenant out there that nobody knows how to get. And the funny thing is, is you cannot call Microsoft and go, hey, can you break me into this domain? That's not a thing. Can you let me in, please? Yeah, there, there's a, because there's no way to validate, right? Right, so, we're, we're back it, to that original problem. Identity is king. Yes, so as long as the domain is validated on the account, we can probably break into it, right? Um, I've, I've done some ones where other MSPs have brought me in that says, I just can't figure this out. And then two hours later, I'm like, all right, here you go. All right. validated, right. Merry Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. um, so so, so that's, that's part of it, right? So now we have our, on Microsoft, we have our domain validated. Now we can like 
do stuff. Great stuff. Well, so I want to just pause right there before we go sort of into the next phase of this, because I, I think you've hit on a couple of things that are really important to our listeners. I get that most of the MSPs that are listening to this are going to go, I know how to do all that. And, and, and this isn't for one second saying that we're, we're taking this show and we're trying to you know, make this a, a you know, level 101 course on 365. Yep. The premise of this is to talk about a couple of key components that you step through. One is the identity of the client and more to the identity of what happens on the back end than what we're going to necessarily see on the surface and creating some expectations because this identity is key to avoiding as much as possible phishing, uh, you know, identity theft, like stealing the domain. Uh, we haven't even really touched on it yet, but as, as we kind of continue to progress, I want to make sure we don't forget about where you've registered the domain and then the DNS records or your zone files that a lot of people think that is the same thing. So just to be clear, I'll set the stage yes. for this. I can set up, I can register with GoDaddy or uh, register my site. I can register it with through Microsoft. There's a lot of places that I can do that. That is just where the domain has been registered. That is not the zone files, right? So I might choose to point DNS to 365. I might choose to point it to uh, whoever I'm hosting with and then go build my zone file there. Um, can you touch on that a little bit, Charles? Because I think this is almost as bad or worse then I can't find my 365 tenant. It's like, wait, we have that domain name? Yeah. Oh, man. Like, do you know how many times I have conversations with people? Since we moved to you, I can get rid of GoDaddy, right? No. No, you can't. You're, you will continue to pay them until the end of time. There's GoDaddy and there's GoDaddy, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. But th that's a miss, you know, people don't realize that, oh, yeah, I do have to pay to keep that domain name every year. Right. 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 That's why I tell them buy more than one. This way we don't have to have this conversation every year like clockwork. Just just buy 10 years. You're not changing your domain. name, Right. So that's so that's one of the biggest misunderstanding is how my registrar uh, network solutions, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was looking for. Registrar. Yeah. So where where that comes into play. And let me tell you, that's a whole other sidebar. Um, about people not securing their registration. Like that's, if you're listening to this and you log into your GoDaddy account or your customer's GoDaddy account or network solutions and it is not asking for two-factor, shame, 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 shame. Um, there's a new thing happening, just a sidebar. People are breaking into GoDaddy accounts and wiping the DNS records. So that's fun. Um, so that's- like how that, fun? Yeah, like, like why is the mail flowing? Yeah. So the, so the DNS, that's, that's one thing that happens. Another thing that happens is the web guy or gal gets involved and decides one day, I'm going to move you over to WordPress. Mm -hmm. And they redirect the MX records over to WordPress without knowing, because they, they just click in buttons. Or right. they just pointed DNS, right? Like, so you've got zone files somewhere else. They're like, oh, this is really easy Correct. because WordPress says that they can host DNS and we'll just switch it. Yeah. I mean, if you do 365, right, you have the three core records for mail. You have the two C names. And then you have the other three if you're using the Skype. So let's just say there's like, you know, eight or so. Um, 
all people think about is MX records. They don't think about the DKIM. They don't think about the SPF. They don't think about any of that stuff. DMARC, so, yeah. yeah. So I use a third party uh, DNS monitoring thing so that if the MX record or any DNS record ever gets modified, I get an email that goes, hey, the MX record has disappeared from this domain. And Got that's it. when I make a call. Hey, customer X, is your web folks doing anything? Funny you say that. We haven't gotten email in the last hour. Yes, that's why I'm calling. So uh, that, that's how we're like combating it. But the registrar is, is super important. And in some cases, I have moved NS1 and NS2, which is the primary record, mm -hmm. off of GoDaddy. And I do it to one of two places. Microsoft now can handle your NS, your, mm -hmm. your, your, your full your domain. Your full zone file. Which is awesome because now you're taking away fiddling with DNS records from the web team sure. and you're putting it back in admins control. Because web team probably set it up with GoDaddy. Well, yeah, and they're just clicking buttons, right? Hey, yeah. do you want to upgrade to secure DNS? Sure, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to click it. It's only $5. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll send customers now to Microsoft for NS1 and NS2 so that I can control their DNS a lot better. Or my favorite thing in the whole wide world, which is Cloudflare. Right. That is what I use, yeah. We'll, we'll redirect the, the, it'll still stay in GoDaddy land. Yeah. Um, but we'll send it to Cloudflare again so admin can keep control of the records. Yeah. Uh, I, I only really do that for managed customers. Um, we, we, you know, we have a few hundred customers where we just do like licensing mm -hmm. with, and like I'm, I'm in no interest to handle Cloudflare for those guys, right? Because right, they're just right. here for licensing. But if it's a managed customer, I need to kind of keep control. Um, and recently, about a year ago, Microsoft will actually allow you to buy domains from them. Right, I did see that. So that's that's that does help. Um, this goes back to I don't I haven't ever had to try to leave Microsoft, but I know like some of your other registrars, one and one, and a few of the others. Man, they made it so painful to try and for move sure. your domain. It's almost to save like twelve dollars, right? Yeah, to save yeah. twelve dollars. I mean, like, and you're like, hey, where do I just check the box for a hundred dollars? This isn't a problem anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, but that's, that's, that's a big thing, right? So, so going back to the 365, like we're only at the level of, I just need to get the stuff to 365. Right. Right. And that's a lot of work to, to get to that point. Then there's the whole, okay, we have it. Now what? So we've, we've almost spent half an episode kind of talking about getting there or getting yep. there correctly if you're already there there might be pieces that still need to be cleaned up you talked about records i think those are things that are really important i know a lot of people even if you're really good at what you do um the records are often overlooked especially when it comes to dmark and dkim you know having that conversation with the client to talk about why are you getting so many spam emails and phishing emails it's like well let's take a deeper look at your your dmark and dkim even spf for that matter but the dmark and dkim that's that's that validation uh, that says I am who I say I am, right? Yep. Um, there's actually something coming down the pipe. It's, I want to say it's, I'm going to draw a blank on the name that it's being called, but it actually uses an image, a logo signature that gets uh, embedded in the email header and the service now being adopted by Google 
and Microsoft, and I think there's others that are coming right behind them though, basically are saying this, this third party uh, open source solution is going to be that added layer of this is a spoofed email and we're not letting it through because they don't have the logo signature in the header. Yep. So, so this is like pretty serious stuff. We, we've not really used a lot of language around security, but fundamentally this is the foundation that allows some level of, I can say confidently that we have secured the, the components of at least the flow of your, your data, right? For sure. If nothing more, at least the data is flowing correctly into the right place and it's not getting redirected someplace it shouldn't. Yeah. So, so now comes now the we're fun. here. Now we have the tenant. So let's right? talk about the tenant from the perspective of first, you're coming into a 365 tenant that has already been stood up. And, and I shared this with you before. There is a belief out there that says because it is Microsoft, and, and you could fill in the blank with really any vendor, because it's vendor X, they've done a great job of building out this product to be very secure because they are fill in the blank vendor, right? And insert what really happens, Charles. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, hey, look at my door. I put one of these multi-lock things. The only way you can make a copy of my key is if you have my card, right? But but I can smash your window, right? <laughs> like it it really doesn't matter. You leave your garage door open. Yeah. What does it matter? You have a, you know, a thing. The garage door has a short. It keeps going up and down. I just got to wait for the right time. And just... Yeah. So Microsoft gives you all the foundations for you to make it right or destroy it, however you see fit, right? Um, old tenants are the worst, like schools. I didn't know they had one and it was set sure. up four or five years ago. There are certain things. The one thing I always tell customers is 365 is not like old school office where old school office, if you had 2013, you will have 2013 until the end of time. Sure. Right. Nothing changes. Maybe a little bit, maybe a tweak here and there with an update, but nothing changes. Microsoft says, hey, you know what? Today we're changing all the icons. Right. Poof, you get new icons. Doesn't matter if you want it or not, you're getting the new icons, right? So now we're in this ever-evolving state of change, which is good, right? Because that's what you're paying for. But the problem here is some of the settings on super old tenants, they don't get flipped on by default. Or they get flipped off. Correct. So a, a good example is two-factor, right? I'm always preaching to everybody, turn on two-factor in Microsoft. I don't care. Yeah. Just just use the use the man during COVID, whatever they did in Microsoft land, the the during COVID, the Microsoft two-factor product changed drastically in the last 12 months. Well, they added um, third party. Well, not only that, it's just the way the, the authenticator works. It's oh, just, sure. it's, it's just magical. So, um, but so what, what somebody will do is they'll go in and they'll just go, you know what, wild hair, we're going to turn on two factor for everybody, yeah. turn it on. And next thing you know, they're getting calls left and right saying, can't it's, I can't log in. What, what's going on? I've, I've did an app password that kind of works, but not really. And then when you look at the tenant, you're like, well, you missed one very important step, which is there's a checkbox for modern authentication, which in Microsoft land is the pop-up that does the two-factor. But, but that's a good example. Older tenants, they did not force that on for everybody. 
if if you're a new tenant set up in the last six to 12 months, it's on. Yeah. Right. So, you know, like I've done it before where we turn well, it's on also, two factor. Don't, don't forget the part where it's when you do turn it on, how are you giving them the opportunity to set it up? Because in a lot of cases, turning it on without giving a window of time to be set sure. up just prevents you from logging in at all anyway. I have a unique way that seems to work for us, but. The recovery um, one, I forget that one a lot, you know, make sure that your users sure. have gone in and set up like a mobile number or some sort of like recovery to get back in there. Otherwise it'll say, please contact your administrator. Yeah. This has not been set up for you. Yeah. If you've turned on password self-service. Right. But like, that's another one that's off by default. You know, not everybody wants that on. So th there, there's a lot to go on and we can go on. for. So, so let's talk about the, the defaults that are now available when you set up a tenant that if it's an older tenant are often not even considered because they're not getting turned on because Microsoft has added it. The first one that comes to mind is I think it's default security is a checkbox. When you set up a tenant, it prompts to choose that. If you don't, obviously it'll never prompt you again. Are you seeing that a lot, especially with older tenants? Yes. Um, so security default is a good one. That's off by default on with new tenants. Uh, in some cases, I think it depends on how the account was created. Um, that's where you can go in and say, you know, everybody gets two factor. You're allowed to do, you know, these various things. Sure. Um, but it's a conversation, right? right. It, you know, some customers, a lot of, we do, we deal with a lot of nonprofits and in the beginning, they're very hesitant about having the having their employees who have personal cell phones sure. get a text message on their phone. So uh, once you get through that barrier and you say, they, but they do it for Facebook, right? They do it for every other thing in the world. So uh, I just yeah, had just, that conversation with, with yeah. a, a school district and it was like, I had the, the chin to the floor. Like, what are you telling me that I can now have my phone in the classroom? I'm like, let's be clear about two things. One, it doesn't require the internet for the rotating key that's on the app on your phone. Correct. And number two, once you've logged in, if you're having to log into your mail more than once a day, we've got a different problem on our hands. And I would raise the question, who's repeatedly trying to get into your account? For sure. So going back to the, the defaults, defaults, there's a lot of things. Yeah. So, so right. security defaults is one, modern authentication is another. Those are the two big ones. Right. We'll, and we'll then, talk about that for a second. Modern authentication. We're, we're essentially saying no more TLS 1.0, 1.1, correct? And no yeah, more and, legacy connectors. And, and it's the ability to allow you to use things like two-factor. Sure. Right. That's the big one. Um, but the, the, the other thing we'll do is when we get into a tenant is I have some assessment tools we'll run. Sure. Uh, but the, in all honesty, the, the built-in Microsoft ones and like the compliance center yeah. uh, really gives you a baseline. Hey, here's all, here's all the thing Microsoft wants you to have, right? Your grain of salt. Um, There's like uh, 712 controls yes. in there. And usually you come out with a default setup. You've got 600 and some controls that need to be addressed. Correct. And, and if Microsoft had their way, everybody would be buying the, you know, E300 license, right? Which right. is, you know, whatever. Uh, it's new. The, the top tier where you right. get everything in the world. <laughs> the 300 tier. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's $1,000 a user a month kind of thing. But, um, uh, but you know, we're running those assessments, compliance manager, just to kind of get a baseline. Right. 
And a lot of it can go and look at how you're currently using data. Like, are we, everyone says they don't, they don't violate PCI, but everybody does, right? Uh, not everybody, it's a, that's too, you know, a lot of people do unknowingly, let's put it that way. Um, but just being able to take that baseline, go back to the customer and be like, all right, here's what we're seeing. Do you realize people are sending socials? No, but somebody is, and here's the proof. Right. And, and that's in like one of the three or four things that even if you have business premium or a lower end account, you can adjust Correct. your spam filter policy. You can turn on the basic DLP that says, just follow the PII. I think it's PII is what they have in there for your yeah. lower end tier. I would say probably for two out of three tenants that I've looked at, that's not even turned on or it's turned on, but it has no keywords in it at all. Correct. And, and a lot of times we don't know the customer's keys, but it, it's a conversation to have. Um, you know, we're sitting with the, whoever's the compliance officer, right? right. Uh, it's probably the front desk, you know, admin, um, because that's the only person we talk to in most cases. Uh, but it's, 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 you know, it's just really walking through and saying, hey, here's where we are. And then I use a, another product uh, called LionGuard, which also has a set of baselines. And every time I put up a new tenant, I get 40 tickets saying all these things are terrible, right? Um, and then I can go back to the customer and we're like, hey, do you realize you don't have a password policy? Yes, we do. Where is it? It's on a piece of paper. It says everyone must change their password every 90 days. Oh, okay, nobody is doing it, right? So it's and, being and able that's to a big one. That's a really big one, right? I, I think about that a lot. So I don't know how many times I've had someone tell me, we have a policy for that. I'm like, please walk me through that. In fact, you and I have a policy at home, right? Hey, my credit card was compromised. What do you do? Like, well, I called my bank, had them cancel my card, sent me a new card. It's a pretty good policy. Is it written down somewhere? No. Does anybody else know your policy? No, but your wife can probably yeah. guess it, right? Your wife would probably do the same thing, but it's still not her policy. It's your policy and she's just guessing. For sure, for sure. So it's, you know, it's stuff like that. It's just, it's really combing through. If you're just chucking on two-factor, you know, uh, a tenant saying, Merry Christmas, have a nice day. Sure. You're, 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 you're missing a lot. All right, so we've got a few minutes before we close this out. So let's talk a little bit about licensing. And from, from the perspective of compliance, you and I recently went through this. Uh, there are, we'll just say that there's, there's the business premium stuff, which I think is the replacement to, I don't even remember what it's called before, professional. Yeah, it's, it's called yeah. professional. Now it's business premium. Uh, you've got your more enterprise seats. You've got your education seats and you got government seats. You're in some model of, of that. And let's just touch on real quick what can you do based on the tiers and who can sell them? Because I think that's really important right now as we're seeing uh, certain uh, vendors charge exponential dollars for what everybody around them can sell. And there's really nothing being done. And, you know, there's no magic behind the curtain to actually get that tenant stood up. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll give everybody a, a little uh, knowledge nugget, as it were. Um, there's a website, M, M as in Microsoft, 365 Maps, maps.com. 
uh, really cool website where it shows you all of the product categories in kind of like an eye chart. Um, you know, this way, because, oh my God, there's so many and they keep changing, right? It, do I want to sell Office 365 or do I want to sell Microsoft 365, right? That's the big one. Um, it's very different. And this website kind of gives you the cheat sheet. Um, but for the most part, you, there's only a handful of categories, right? right? You got your commercial stuff, which could be anything from E3 to business to whatever. Then you have the nonprofit stuff, which needs special validation. Right. And I, I have a very uh, tried and true method of getting a customer validated if they check all the boxes. You have education, which is its own set of validation. Right. Yeah, and then you, that one. <laughs> yeah. then you have uh, government. So there's two levels of government. Um, you'll, you know, your GCCs, uh, where it is technically a special 365 setup. And then you have your GCC high, which is its own total nightmare. Um, for the most part, the only thing that like we can't do is the high because it has to go to one of those. Secure. Um, yeah, there's like seven. Yeah, and, and I US. can touch on the GCC high real quick. That literally just gets into if you're dealing with ITARs and you're dealing with uh, foreign, really foreign any, anything, or you're dealing directly with a DOD contract where CUI data is going to traverse between DOD directly and private sector, you probably are going to have to do GCC high in order to share data because essentially GCC high, they're validating both parties before they allow the communication to happen. So like regular GCC, I can't just send stuff or share stuff with a DOD contractor. It's going to say, sorry, you can't do that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to share, and you can talk more about the, the different tiers here, but uh, a lot of things that people might need for compliance, let's say they have to do CMMC level three. And so they're going GCC. Uh, they are no longer going to have the advantage of being able to use all those third-party plugins in Microsoft land because they're not GCC compliant. So mm -hmm. we've run into this before, you know, like gotta be GCC. So we move them over and they're like, X, Y, Z integration with QuickBooks doesn't work. Like it's yes. not going to, we talked about this before the migration, you yep. no longer have those, you know, cool little widgets. So, so talk to me, I think as we close out, the two things that I think are really important is what does, you know, like advanced threat protection uh, maybe some of the DLP stuff that is available really across any of your license stacks, but are not just on because you're using 365. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, old tenant versus new tenant, new tenant, a lot of the baselines are Microsoft has done a fairly decent job it's about. On. It, it's on, on a brand new tenant, it's pretty much where it should be sure on on an old tenant man just throw a dice like you never know um so it, i kind of wish there was like a reset button do you ever make I, that recommendation because you could just say we're going to stand up a new tenant so sometimes uh if i'm converting a tenant i'm, I'm going to spend a little bit of time and to comb through the you know uh the ATP stuff, they've renamed it Defender, sure. whatever. But, uh, you know, just making sure that, you know, we are sending things to junk folder. Right. Uh, if, if it is failing SPF, we are sending it to junk folder, you know, stuff right. like that. Um, just, you know, tweaks here and there, making sure, you know, a, a big thing is, 
are we allowed to share links outside the company? Right. Like, what's the policy on that? Um, you know, a lot of times customers are like, hey, I'm trying to share this SharePoint folder to my buddy. Not my Which, buddy, but a customer. Sure, but it gets into the external versus internal of SharePoint yes. and OneDrive. And it's off by default. Right. Right, but a customer's like, well, but I need this folder shared. Okay, here's a form I need you to fill out. It actually moves yeah. it, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, when you go public SharePoint sharing, that is a different repository than internal SharePoint. Depends how you do it. Got it. Right? If, if you're triggering it through the OneDrive mechanism, then yes. If you're triggering it through like Teams, it's live file. It's a live right? file, right. But you also, yeah. it's a little bit different. I think we use them differently anyway, so that For does sure. help. Uh, so as we close this out, I, I, I hear three things. One, policies. Uh, policies and policies. So policies are going to drive, so turning on like default security is going to drive making sure that two-factor authentication gets turned on. Uh, making sure the endpoints are patched and up to date is going to be another one because if it is an older tenant and 1.0 and 1.1 TLS happen to be, for whatever reason, ever enabled, if that endpoint that's connecting on that protocol, you can't remove it in Microsoft or 365 land until you go and hit that endpoint and upgrade yep. the appropriate environment. So that's one thing we didn't really spend a lot of time on, maybe another episode. What does it look like to secure the endpoint or clean up the endpoints so that they're not making the data dirty in 365? It's um, easy. Just take away their keyboard. Right. Here we go. That's uh, how you secure it. Yeah, you, you don't get a keyboard. We're going to secure everything. We are going to turn the servers off. Yes. Uh, and then the third one is, is just remember that as you, as you look at compliance and some of these other things, you need to be aware of the things that may go away that are not thought through before toggles start getting turned on. And now yep. you have a really upset customer. Does that pretty much sum it up? Like, yeah, for the most part, yeah, licensing sure. is important. Every partner can sell 99% of the licensing. So don't let someone tell you that, oh, I have to go with this vendor unless it's GCC high. For sure. So Charles, I really appreciate it. This has been an episode of MSP 1337. Thanks everybody and have a great week. Thanks guys.